Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to The Ernest Man Show. Wherever you may be in this world. Just a quick message on how you can win a fabulous prize. After listening to an episode, simply go to my website, theearnestmanshow.com, and go to the Discuss comment section below the episode. Leave a comment. That's it. It's that simple. Within a week, if a winner is chosen, you possibly could be a winner of a fabulous prize. Okay, well, it's it's not a car or a boat, but then again, you don't have to pay any taxes on it. So, what are you waiting for? You've got a good chance, and you can say anything you like. So, that's my message. Now, let's go to the show. Episode number 54, Earth Management. Ladies, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. There are two things in life that people, generally speaking, don't want to hear. One of those things is the truth. And the other one are limitations. By and large, people don't like either one of those things even when knowing one or both of those things could actually improve their life. Because a lot of times, certain things that we frame ignorance on, certain mechanisms that we set into motion come around to affect our life further down the road. A perfect example of that would be children and deciding whether or not to have them. So, I thought maybe it might be a good idea to talk about these things, especially with Roe v. Wade and the possibility of it being overturned has been in the news as of late. You see, I did a broadcast not too long ago concerning that very subject. And I think that perhaps it's possible I may have gotten uh, the wrong impression across that I am strictly pro-choice. Actually, I'm not. I have an entirely different perspective. Actually, you can't even say, you can't even uh, pigeonhole it into uh, being pro-life or pro-choice. I like to refer to it as pro-thinking. 
So, while all of this anger and banter has been going on concerning the uh, threat of uh, overturning Roe v. Wade, there is a part of this equation that I don't believe has been addressed, either because it doesn't suit the uh, powers that be to bring this up, or nobody's really even thought about it. But I have thought about it. This is something I've thought about for quite some time. And uh, so I'm bringing it to you so that maybe you could think about it. So, um, of course, the entire premise for the people who are pro-choice concerning Roe v. Wade are the implications of um, not being able to, for instance, in this case, effectively feel as though they can control their own bodies and uh, will not have abortion services readily available or available at all should the uh, situation become necessary. But what I wanted to do here was to flip this argument in a different direction. I'm not going to necessarily say flip it over, but in a different direction. Because apparently what a uh, a lot of people don't think about or perhaps they haven't even concerned themselves with is um, the very fact of the implications of childbirth at all and bringing a new life into the world so in a sense you might say that this part of the argument is leaning more towards the pro-life camp but there's an aspect here that falls on them that they apparently do not want to address. Now, before I go into that, what I want to stipulate is that whether you be pro-choice or pro-life, that these thoughts and these decisions that are made are, believe it or not, effectively even if you don't want to admit it, being made for you anyway. Your opinions based on so-called values are nothing more than the acquired and assimilated propaganda that you've received in your formative years depending on 
where you grew up. So it is much more, for instance, likely that if you grew up in a rural area and um, your parents or family or perhaps your entire family is conservative or what's loosely and what I call mistakenly referred to as conservative, well, it's almost satrosanct that you're going to be pro-life. I will go much deeper in another broadcast about the, the silliness and absurdity of these handles anyway. But that's not the scope of this broadcast. What I'm talking about here is a term that I would like to call birth management. Now, with the idea of that in mind, hopefully I'm getting back around to the original point that I started. <clears throat> For many people in this modern time that we live in, especially in the West, it is um, the idea of having children is so far connected, or I'm sorry, so far disconnected from reality that it, it, it just doesn't make sense. You see, once again, we have to look in this situation in the light of history. And I'm not, I'm not talking ancient, ancient history here because, you know, if we go back a hundred years or so, that's not, that's not ancient history. That's just a few generations, but it's not ancient history. <clears throat> anyway, it wasn't that long ago when America was largely a rural nation. And uh, this was before, I'm talking about roughly the time of the rise and the advent of modern cities, which became a product of the Industrial Revolution, which also roughly coincided with the discovery of oil. And then after the discovery of oil, of course, and we had steam engines, and take it from there. But there was certainly a transition from the country to the city because they needed workers. And, uh, you know, a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these businesses paid pretty decent money, at least for a time, um, at least initially. And if you were young and 
on the farm and you know you've got eight ten maybe twelve brothers and sisters you know you might want to get off the farm and go to the big city and see what it's all about so there was a migration that took place and um from all parts of America, they went to the cities of that time. And places like New York and Chicago and perhaps a bit later, places like Los Angeles. But, um, yeah, the, the country and living out in the country and the farm lost its appeal especially after um, they get to the big city. And that meant all the sins that were in the big city. And they also learned very quickly not only about that big city life, but also that it afforded autonomy. Because unlike the farm or in small communities in the country, small little towns where you have no autonomy. In the big city, you got lots of autonomy. So you don't have to uh, necessarily curtail every bit of your behavior, even if those behaviors aren't considered um, wholesome, let's say. Things like uh, drinking and gambling and who knows, maybe even visiting a prostitute, all of that. And, of course, there was eventually all the bad that could come from that, but it is what it is. That's what happened. Now, as far as the children are concerned, though, if we just back up a little bit, the people of that time um, were especially not only uh, what you would call dogged and, you know, rugged individuals. They were independent, but they had to be. I mean... Because when originally we went west, yeah, you got a mule and 40 acres. But, uh, you know, the first one or two or three years, quite literally, first of all, you had to survive. So you don't have any of the things that you have support of in a large group or in a big city. Simply didn't have it. So, as they say, mother is the necessity of invention. So you have a different mindset from city folk versus country folk. But anyway, this occurred, and uh, but it still wasn't enough for the industrialist. So... Uh, there was a huge uh, 
immigrant migration and uh, Ellis Island, New York comes to mind. But one, there's one thing that carried over into this, and as a matter of fact, for the most part, it's what I call an appendage that has still stuck around to this very day, and that concerns the childbearing. Now, like I said earlier, being very pragmatic and uh, what you might say uh, well, practical people, you know, this sort of thing that even today we may look at <clears throat> as far as having eight or sometimes ten or perhaps more children, I mean, even by modern standards, that that just seems kind of kind of crazy. But it's not when you consider that uh, the youngins, as they were referred to, they in turn were expected at some point to take care of their parents on the farm. And these farms, may, some of them, after being established after uh, a couple of decades or so, that was the only life that they knew. And there was the expectation of those areas that the, uh, the youngins take care of the old folks until they literally died and they buried them. And the same thing in turn would eventually happen to them. That is, assuming they didn't die prematurely from disease or any other number of causes. So, even though I understand that uh, women who live in modern, contemporary Western society, I don't think there's too many of them that are having 8, 10, 12 children. But even so... Um, even having three or four is really putting a resource burden on the rest of us. And just a quick aside that I had uh, forgotten to mention about those rural folks. Again, being planners and people who saw and admitted to the cruel realities of life Quite frankly, a lot of those kids born wouldn't make it to adulthood. They either died because of disease or accidents or what have you. So, yeah, you might have eight kids. Maybe only four or five of them made it to adulthood. Sometimes not even that. But nowadays we don't have any of those threats by and large. In most cases in America, um, your kid that's born, this is assuming they don't have any huge physical abnormalities, they're going to be just fine. 
there's like a 98% chance that they're going to reach adulthood at least. So the thing here is, which is why I'm going to call it this, is that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And even though many women or families are not having 8, 10, 12 kids, I think that uh, 3 or 4 is even pushing things quite a bit from a resource point of view. Now, if you think about this, I don't believe that many women actually think about this in resource or economic terms. What I've observed in my life is if a person, say, uh, you know, wants to have a kid or they've already had kids, they may already have two, three, four kids. They just say, yeah, we decide we're going to have another one. It's, they talk about it, it's in their mind as though they're just going to go out and buy a cheeseburger. There's not a discussion at all about the resources. Now, you see, a few years ago, well, it's been more than a few. I guess for myself, it's been, I don't know, seven or eight years at least. You know, I used to be like anyone else. And you look at young kids, little kids, and they're playing, smiling, hopefully happy. And then... You know, you can't help but like them because they're kids. And um, most people like kids. But when I became very aware after seeing what uncontrolled birthing does to a nation, and when I had to watch the unpleasant trees of young children, we're talking about kids five, six, seven years old, eight years old, depending, but that young. And uh, their breakfast was to go out to the city dump and pick through trash. That was their breakfast. So, this is, of course, overpopulation. And it's just like anything else. You have to have a plan. If you, for instance, are going to have a backyard barbecue cookout, you at least should, at least as far as I'm concerned, you know, have a general idea of how many people you expect to show up. Because if you don't, well, 
there's either not going to be enough food for everybody that is there, or somebody's going hungry, and somebody's going to feel embarrassed. So there has to be planning. When you plan a cookout, you got a rough idea. Let's say you're going to have, I don't know, 10, 12 people. All right, so you have that, and then you make sure you have a bit extra just in case for that two or three or K maybe four people that are going to be friends of friends and they just kind of swagger in. But cooking a meal for 12, that'll stretch to 16, is not going to work if you end up with 30. Matter of fact, it's going to be embarrassing and very unpleasant. So, that is the analogy that I'm using globally. I think it's high time, way past high time, that we start looking at each child and just flashing in front of us a lifetime of resources. Think of all the things that you use from the cradle to the grave in a lifetime from a resource point of view. That includes the water, not just the food, clothing, shelter. There's a million things. And I think it's, it's uh, extremely unresponsible to not make this assessment for yourself in your own life. But apparently, for some time, that's what we've been doing. And willy-nilly, we have a planet that's over 8 billion people, and it doesn't show any signs of uh, going the other way. And of course, the further you stretch things out from a resource point of view, well, the more problems you're going to have and things are going to get really unpleasant for everyone. So, uh, I believe that uh, unofficially or whatnot, but there, we need to have either a one or two child policy in the world, period. Not just America. And you need to look at this, you potential parents. And I'm talking about especially the ones that Maybe you already have a couple and you're thinking about cranking out another one. Well, um, maybe you might want to think about all this. Because um, we can only, the earth can only support comfortably so many people. If you just think about it for a moment, if you wanted a, a place to live that had 
plenty of space, plenty of room, plenty of water, plenty of resources. Well, we did once. And um, ever since that time, as the population crept up exponentially, that has won away. It's hard to imagine something, perhaps, that you have never experienced. But to give you some example of this, or some relative, from some relative real-life position, when I was a teenager, the world population was just over 3 billion. Just since I was a teenager, 3 billion people. That means it has significantly increased, well, almost three times. That's in like 40 years. And they like to kick around this word a lot about being sustainable. Well, that's not sustainable. So you, uh, you need to think about this because it's not just a thing. If you step outside of yourself for a moment, it is not just you and your kids. It's all of us. And all of these people is killing ourselves. And that's what's, that's what's happening. That is the big picture. And um, that's what I am primarily talking about here because that's what I feel real quick like needs to be taken care of, that needs to be done. Because um, otherwise, at least, and I'm, I'm just talking from a resource point of view, or rather, maybe more accurately, I should say, a resource scarcity point of view. Because the way that we live here in the West, in America, everybody has been saying this for 30 plus years or more. It is not sustainable. Now, we are running out of everything. Some things a lot faster than others. But we are seriously running out of the materials of life. One of them, which should be quite obvious, is just land. Because we have um, very large chunks of the population in this country, 
living in places where, quite simply, large chunks of populations should not be living. Of course, I'm talking about the big cities of Nevada and California, particularly Southern California. So, in a sense, what it kind of reminds me of is um, when you've ever been in a bar and it's last call and um, there haven't been any fights. Actually, in this case, let's just say a good time was had by all. Everybody may be, you know, a little worse for wear. But just like uh, any other party, nobody ever wants the party to end. And it just takes them forever to come around to that. But nobody wants this to end. Nobody wants to leave California. Those that have left with this mini mass exodus that California is currently experiencing... You know, and they don't want to. It's feeling that they have to. But this is nothing compared to the reality of what's really going to hit. It's sort of like, uh, oh, what's another thing? Uh, let's see. Another analogy. Like you're drinking some soda or whatnot you're using a straw you know and you're just drinking it on down and you don't notice it at all it seems as though it's full power full bore as you're sucking down your soda and the levels dropping and dropping but eventually when uh, it hits near the bottom the end of the straw and then you're just sucking air well, that's when you notice. That's what I pretty much see occurring here really soon. I'm just talking the next, certainly within the next three to five years. I don't want this to happen. But I recognize that certain things simply happen as a consequence of, well, other certain things and ignoring all this is a consequence of that in and of itself so just because you can ladies doesn't mean you should I hope you had a good day today I hope we all have a good day tomorrow Take care.